Praise God. We're continuing in our series, Seasons Change, But God Doesn't. Uh, Pastor Dan started off with The Walls Must Fall Down. I did an excellent message there last week. Uh, Brother Manny uh, uh, preached a message on timing is everything. Uh, the scripture we're using for this series is Hebrews 13.8, which it just says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. His promises, uh, his healing, all the miracles that he does, they do not change. They're, they're the same yesterday, they're there today, and they will be there forever. So we understand that God does not change. Tonight I want to look at uh, the title of this message is Our Perspective in a season of change. I want to look at our perspective, the way we see things, the way we view things, the way we perceive things. Uh, one definition is a way of thinking about and understanding something. It's your point of view. So I want to look at our perspective when it comes to see, uh, changing seasons. When we go through a change of seasons, season, does our perspective of who God is and what God can do in our life change? We look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, going all the way through verse 8. And it's for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. He says there's different seasons, and these are the seasons, many seasons that we will go through. There is a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And here we see the many seasons that, that Ecclesiastes here talks about. And, 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 it, and, and we see that in our own personal lives from time to time we may face some of these uh, uh, seasons in life that we may go through. And these seasons may change from time to time. And, then, and, and in these seasons uh, of change, uh, we know God never changes, that God stays the same. But how does our perspective remain when these seasons change? Uh, last Sunday, we celebrated uh, the 21-year anniversary. I don't know if you want to celebrate, but it was the 21 anniversary of the attack on the World Trade Center. And one of the things that, as people, you know, talk about that and you see in the news, they always have the phrase, never forget. To never forget what took place that day. To never forget how a country was brought together. Never forget how, 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 how this impacted us, you know, for even 21 years later. And I want to look at, or my first point is to never forget. We understand the children of Israel, they were in bondage to the Egyptians. Uh, you know, they were making their lives bitter by forcing them to mix mortar, make bricks, uh, do all the work in the fields. And they're pretty much just ruthless to the children of Israel, the, the, the Egyptians. Uh, God was speaking to Moses and he tells them, you know, I appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. So God is telling him, and he's telling him the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's telling Moses this, and he's letting him know, this is a promise I made, and I was going to give him the land of Canaan. But he also tells him that you can be sure that I do hear the groans of the people of Israel, who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I'm well aware of my covenant with them. I remember my promise, and my promise is still the same, that I will give them the land that I promised to their forefathers. And in Exodus 6, in verse 6, he says, Therefore, and God is speaking to Moses, he says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, 
I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the oppression, the oppression of Egypt. I will bring you into a land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for your very own possession. I am the Lord. See, God never changes. He reminds them of a promise that he made long ago, again, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And just as he promises, he does. He begins to, to bring them out of Egypt. We see uh, through, 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 through the word of God in, 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 in Exodus, it talks about the plagues and all the things that took place during that, the Passover and how God protected them during that time. And what happens is Pharaoh finally lets them go. And, and, and God brings them out of Egypt. And what happens is as they begin to leave Egypt, Pharaoh changes his mind, sends his army after the children of Israel. What happens is they come to the, to, to the Red Sea. And what God does is he pushes back the waves and he, he allows the children of Israel to part and walk through the Red Sea. And as the Egyptian army continues, as they get across the, the Red Sea, the, the waves come and crash down on the Egyptians. And in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 31, as God does these miracles, as God is doing all the things and bringing them out of captivity, bringing them out of bondage, the people, it says, when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe. They were in amazement. They, they just couldn't believe what God had just done. And it says that they put their faith in the Lord, but also in their servant Moses. It says the children of Israel were in awe of the miracle of deliverance. God had delivered them from bondage. God had delivered them out of slavery. He brought them into a place where the Red Sea opened up and they were able to walk through and the waves came crashing down on the Egyptian army. And what happens is they began to have a good perspective of what God was doing. They began to have a good perspective. They were in awe. They're saying, okay, we have faith in God. We have faith in Moses. He's taking us to the promised land. We know what God is doing here. It says that they put their faith in their leader, Moses. God was fulfilling his promise. You know, and it's probably, you know, like kids, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet, God? Are we there yet? And as they're getting closer, God says, there's one more thing we need to do. And in Numbers chapter 13, in verse 1, now the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. God is telling him, I want you to go spy out the land. I want you to go send out spies. And what his probably what God was thinking was, as they were out there, they were going to see the land, see how beautiful it was. Yes, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, this was a promise of God. And he probably was hoping they would come back with a good report to get the people excited about what God was doing, what God was bringing them to. And it says, as they went into the land and they sent the 10 spies, 10 of the spies, or 10 of the leaders, it says their perspective changed. They completely forgot what God had done. They come back and they give a report, and, and, and this is their report in Numbers 13, verse 27. This was their report to Moses. They come back, and I'm sure he's expecting a great report, and oh yeah, there's great things. We, we, we got the land, the land is our God is good, but it says this was a report to Moses. We enter the land you sent us to explore, and indeed it was a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. They're saying, yes, it's beautiful. It's land with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. They said the grapes were so big. It was a cluster of grapes. It took two men to carry them. And he says, this is the kind of fruit it produces. And then here comes the magic word. But the people living there are powerful. 
and their towns are large and fortified. We even seen giants there, the descendants of Anak. This is a bad report because their perspective changed. They came and they were at the Red Sea. They were excited. They were in awe. They said, we have faith in God. We have faith in Moses. He's taking us to a land flowing in milk and honey. But as soon as they came back and gave a bad report, what happened? Their perspective changed. The only ones that had a good perspective were Joshua and Caleb. They, their perspective did not change. They did not forget what God had done and what God was bringing them to. As they gave the report, the whole community began weeping aloud. They started crying, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. After they just said, we have all the faith in our leader Moses, now they start protesting against Moses. If we only had died in Egypt, they're saying, man, if we only had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. And then here they start blaming God. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives, our children, our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Can you imagine that? Their lives were being tormented. They were being oppressed. They were being, you know, they, they were being humiliated. And they said, wouldn't it be better if we just went back to that way of life? And they plotted among themselves Let's choose, again, they want, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. If you're going to look at this, what changed? What really changed? God didn't change. He promised to bring them into that new, a new season of blessing. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. You know, they were oppressed. And God says, you know what? I'm bringing you into a new season, a season of blessing, a season of a land that is flowing with milk and honey. This did not change. God did not change. He promised them this land. But when they heard the bad report, of the ten leaders and the reports of the giants, their perspective changed. Fear entered their hearts, said they began to weep, they began to cry, and they wanted to go back. They, imagine this. They wanted to go back to slavery. God, why didn't we just let us die here? Why don't we go back to Egypt? Their perspective was all messed up. They, suddenly what happened was when they were in awe, and, you know, we're going to take the land and it's going to be beautiful, to let's go back to what, you know, where we came from. God speaks, they have seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I have performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. How many times have we missed out on an opportunity that God was bringing us to? We missed out because we allowed fear to enter our hearts and it caused us to forget what God had done. We, God has promised, made promises to us, an opportunity comes and God opens door for us, but fear enters our hearts and we miss out because we allowed that fear to come in. Again, the children of Israel, as God speaks, now tell them this, surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing you say. Remember they said, why didn't we just die here in the wilderness? God says, it will do exactly what you said. You will drop dead in this wilderness because you have complained against me. Every one of you, 20 years and older, and was included in registration, will die. You will not enter or occupy the land, I swore to you. The, the only exceptions will be Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and uh, Joshua, the son of Nun. Everyone missed out because they forgot what God had done. They forgot about the miracles. They forgot about God parting the Red Sea and bringing them into, to, into to a place where he's leading them to the promise. And they forgot what God had done, and their perspective changed. And they said, let's just go back to where we came from. And Psalm 103, 2 says, let, a, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he's done for me. Let us never forget the good things that God has done for us. 
When we go through a season of change and we go back and remember the good things that God has done and the things that God you know, has brought us out of and the miracles that God has done in our lives, we will continue to have a right perspective of who God is. But when we forget these things, our perspective change and we start saying, man, maybe I should go back to where I came from. Psalm 77, 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. We cannot forget the miracles that God has done in our lives. We cannot forget the promises that we see in God's word. We cannot forget what God is doing and what he's going to do. And, and we never forget that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we've got to keep that right perspective of who God is. When I looked at the seasons in Ecclesiastics, this one stuck out to me as a time to mourn. The second point is a time to mourn. It's to feel or express grief or sorrow for someone who has died. This is a season that none of us want to go through. It really is. None of, none of us wants to have to go through, through mourning of a loss of a loved one. But eventually, it's a season that all of us are probably one time or another going to have to face. Maybe some have recently faced. Um, these last couple of years, many of us have had to mourn the loss of loved ones. I remember a few years back... Um, God, I can't remember how many years ago, but my, my father-in-law uh, got pancreatic cancer, and I kid you not, within maybe when he was diagnosed, maybe two to three months later, he, he went to be with the Lord. This is my wife's father. And then eight months later, my wife gets a call that her sister had an aneurysm. She had to go to the hospital, and she ended up passing and going with the Lord. And then two months later, her sister that passed, her husband gets hit by a car. And he goes and bees with the Lord. This is my wife's family. And then a short time after me, a year or two after that, I remember it was, it, was, it, was, it was one of the bike-a-thons. It was Saturday morning, and we're getting ready to come. I was going to ride the 100 miles, and she gets a call from her sister that her brother had been sick, but they were taking him to the emergency, had a stroke, and he had a heart attack. And I'm riding the 100 miles, and she's just, throughout the, throughout the day, she's just checking, I'm checking in with her, so he's doing, and finished the route, went to the hospital with her, and he ended up going to be with the Lord that night. And then just a few years later, just in, I think 2020, my mother-in-law uh, got COVID, and she ended up going to be with the Lord. And then right after that, our niece, her, her, her sister's daughter, ended up getting COVID. So it's like I felt so bad for my wife because it was just one after another after another another in her family. And, and it was just a time of mourning. It's something that we don't want to go through because we understand the pain, the heartache, the, 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 the loss, and, and, and all that we go through when we have to suffer, suffer the loss of a loved one. Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. God wants to comfort us during our time of mourning. God wants to bring a comfort. God wants to, 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 to just feel, help us feel you know, just his love during that time of mourning. But for some, it's hard to be comforted. It really is. I find so many people that during that time of mourning, they just have a hard time being comforted because there's, there, that sorrow and that grief is just overwhelming in their lives where many times that, that grief and that sorrow can turn into depression. Job was in a season of blessing. You read the book of Job, the first chapter, it talks about all that Job had. It just, he was a blessed man. And, and, and God even acknowledged him that Satan came before God and, and God says to, 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 to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's a righteous man, a man of God, and he fears me. You know, he, he, he's just a good man. And Satan goes, the only reason he, he, he fears you and loves you and serves you is because you have a hedge around him, that you protect him, 
that you've blessed his life. But if you take everything away, he would curse you. God says, okay, Satan, I'm going to let you touch everything he has, but don't touch his life. And immediately, the season of blessing changed for Job. As you read that chapter, just one person after another comes and begins to give a report of this loss and this loss and this loss of his, his livelihood, his livestock, and all these things. And finally, he gets the report that seven of his sons and three of his daughters were killed and passed. And Job, in the beginning, this is his response. As he's there and all that is taken from him and all that, 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 that he has lost, he says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. And he says, praise the name of the Lord. And he says, all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. But as you read on, and as time goes on, it says Job begins to feel like God's doing him wrong, begins to uh, complain. It says that at, time, at, at, at one time he even curses the day he was born. Basically says, I'm better off dead. In verse, uh, chapter 30 and verse 16, Job is here speaking. Again, this is some time that's going on. People are speaking to him, giving him advice, some good, some bad. But he says, and now my life seeps away. And this is what he says, depression haunts my days. At night, my bones are filled with pain, which gnaws at me relentlessly. Job admits that he's depressed. He's cursing the day he was born. He says, man, I'd be better off dead. Just take my life from me. Here we see Job suffering great loss, losing seven sons, three daughters, ten children. He's, he's stricken with sickness and disease, and he's just going through all this, and he's, all of a sudden he says, I am depressed. I'd rather be dead. As I shared before, I worked for a water department. I worked for a, a, one, one company for five years in San Gabriel, and then I worked 20 years where I'm now. The company before, we used to change a lot of water meters. And what you do is you go, you change the water meter, you go knock on the front door, hey, we're going to change your meter, your water will be off for about 15, 20 minutes at the most. If you're really quick, you know, maybe 5, 10. But, so this one day I was, you know, I pulled up my truck, and it was at a cul-de-sac. So say, this is the cul-de-sac here, and I was going to change the meter at this house right here. So I got off my truck, I went and knocked on the door, and I'm just standing there, and I'm just kind of looking around. And I looked here, and, 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 and this side was a wall, and it was a backyard to the houses on the other side. So I see a guy, and he's in a tree, and he's up there in a ladder, and I'm thinking, oh, he's probably trimming his trees. So I'm sitting there knocking on the door, nobody's answering. So I look back again, and all of a sudden, he puts the rope around his neck. And I'm like, oh, my God. So what I did is I ran to my truck, and I called. I go, call 911. This guy's getting ready to kill himself. And I grabbed some, some, some loppers, some tree loppers. And what I, just, what I thought to myself is if he jumps, I'll just you know, cut, cut the branch or cut the rope. And so what I did is I jumped up, and I just kind of stood on the fence. And I just stood talking to him. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And you know, what's happening? And this is what he said to me. He says, they're telling me to kill myself. They're telling me to kill myself. What I found out later on is both his parents had passed away. He was living in the house he grew up in. He was probably in his early 40s. And both his parents had passed away. He was living in the house by himself. Electricity was shut off. Water was shut off. Basically living alone. And he started to hear voices. And these voices told him, kill yourself. I just kept talking to him and saying, hey, man, don't do it. You know, like your, life, you know, your life's worth you know, more. And so finally, he just, I don't know if he got tired of hearing me or what, but he just took it off. 
And you just walked in the house, and then, you know, the police and paramedics came in. But I was sharing this story in one of our relate groups, you know, right after it happened. And I started talking about how he had told me, they are telling me to kill myself. And this is, one of the sisters in that group said, you know what, I've heard those voices. I've heard those voices. And these are demonic voices that tell us, you know what, your life ain't worth it. You know what, after losing someone and depression sits in, and, and you know, it, it, what happens is the devil starts saying, you know, you, wanna, you need to go be with them. You know, you need to be with them. You're mourning too much. You miss them too much. You, 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 you know what? It'd be better off if you, you just go take it your own life and go be with them. The thought of taking your life may come in, but these thoughts are not from God. These are not godly thoughts. These are satanic thoughts. These are demonic thoughts. They would try to convince somebody that, you know what? Your pain is too much. Your mourning, your grief is too much. You're never going to get over it. You're never going to overcome it. Just take your life and you could be with them. We need to understand that these thoughts are not of God, but yeah, sometimes these thoughts are real. We see the prophet Elijah. He goes up against the prophets of Baal. We understand that the story that how they had the two offerings that Elijah told them, you, you, you set up an offering, you call on your gods and see if fire will send down and consume them, and I'll, I'll put up an offering, I'll you know, bury mine with water, and, and, and we'll see if my God. And, and it says that the prophets of Baal all night were screaming and yelling and chanting and doing all these things, cutting themselves, and nothing happened. And then Elijah, as he told them to pour water upon his offering, he says that he prayed up to God, and God consumed that offering. And as he did this, he had all the prophets of Baal killed. And there was great victory that day. There was a great miracle that took place. God did a great thing for Elijah. But as word got back to Jezebel about what uh, Elijah did, she threatened his life. She says, by this day tomorrow, I'm going to do to you what you did to our prophets. I'm going to take your life. So instead of just standing and fighting, it says Elijah fled. It says he flees. He's, 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 his, his life is bound with fear. And what happens is he finds himself in a cave. See, when grief comes and when mourning comes, the Bible says God wants to bring comfort. God wants to bring comfort in our lives, but when we're not allowing God to bring comfort, what happens is we begin to isolate ourselves. We begin to separate ourselves from people. We begin to avoid people. Elijah said, I've had enough, Lord. He says, take my life. He, again, he's saying, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. I don't want to live anymore. See, this is what happens when depression, discouragement, it sets in. And we don't allow God to begin to strengthen us, allow God to, to, to bring that comfort, allow God to use people to bring our comfort, and we begin to isolate ourselves. These thoughts and these demonic thoughts begin to enter in. See, God has a plan for our lives because these voices are not of God. God doesn't want, to take our own, doesn't want us to take our own life. And again, God has a great plan for our lives. He says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good. God has good plans for each and every one of our lives. And even in a season of mourning, when we're mourning and we're grieving over the loss of a loved one, God still wants to do good in our lives because he has a future and a hope for each and every one of us. See, Elisha was isolated and alone. Again, he's basically saying the same thing. Just take my life. I don't want to live. And he's isolated alone. But here comes a voice from God. And he says, what? And he's in a cave. He says, what are you doing here, Elisha? 
What are you doing here? He begins to speak to him, and we got to be able to hear the voice of God and stop listening to the lies of the devil. And Psalm 85, 80 says, listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. During a time of mourning, grieving, sometimes we don't feel at peace. When we hear and listen carefully to the voice of God and what he's saying as we read and get into his word, when we're in prayer with him, he begins to speak to us and he begins to bring peace to his people. He tells Elisha, you're not alone, Elisha. There's 7,000 that have not bowed, bowed down to Baal. Again, his plans are for good and not disaster. We really got to think of our actions and how they affect others. A lot of times people think, well, you know, if I do this, I'm only affecting myself, but it's disastrous to so many others. It really is. We think that it's, oh, nobody else will be affected, and I could just get over this grief and it finally end it. No, it becomes disastrous forever. This is a tough season. It is. A tough se- this is probably one of the toughest seasons, is suffering the loss of a loved one. I remember I shared this before when my daughter went to be with the Lord. I was there in the emergency room. She was a little over a month old, she, uh, and I'm just begging God, God, save my daughter, Lord. And I'm begging and, and bargaining and everything I could think of with God and praying and every scripture I could think of. And the doctor walked up to me and said, sorry, there was nothing else we can do. And the devil started lying to me right away. The devil started lying to me. He's like, man, where's your God? And I remember just thinking to myself, because I knew what God had done in my life. I, I, I just knew what God had brought me out of. And I didn't want to go back to that. I didn't want to go back to what God had brought me out of. I didn't forget what God had done, and I didn't forget what God was doing in my family. And I said, no, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to keep going forward. And I don't say this to them, oh, I'm, I'm great, but it's just maybe to encourage someone that maybe you're in a season of grieving. You're in a season of mourning. You're in a season where, where the devil's lying to you. You know what? You can make it. You can continue to move forward. You got to allow God to comfort. You got to allow God to, uh, God's people to bring peace and comfort to your life so you can make it through. Yes, it's a tough season. It's hard. Believe me, I, 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 I just firsthand with my wife, it was struggling. I, I was doing, I did probably about five or six funerals for her family. And it was like, man, I felt so bad for her. God says, you keep, our Bible says, you keep track of my sorrows in Psalm 58, 56a. You keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. God watches us. God knows what we're going through, and God will comfort us. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, the Lord delivers him out of all God has not abandoned us. It's a season we are all going to face sooner or later. But again, as it said in the beginning, there's a time to be born and a time to die. When God calls somebody home, it's in his appointed time. And yes, it hurts, but we don't have to be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go before us. He will be with us. He will never fail us. He will never abandon us. He doesn't change when the season changes in our lives. Next point I want to look at is, you know, a couple weeks ago, we went from clear, sunny, hot weather 
And then like a week ago, I was sharing, man, and all of a sudden, the wind was like a, a hurricane in the neighborhood. It was like storm. I, I've never seen it like that, the wind. That, that's where I shared last, a couple, last week where the power went on my house. The, the wires on my, my, my house went out. And it was just went from clear, sunny, and hot to windstorms, pouring rain. There was flooding in the mountains and in the high deserts. There was a lot of damage. There was even loss of life. And you could look at this as, you know, like, almost like a picture of our lives. Life is good. Everything's sunny and bright. Then seasons change, and it feels like a great storm has hit our lives. The third thing I want to look at is we need to speak with confidence. In a season of change where it does feel like we're in the middle of a storm, or the season changes from good, and all of a sudden, it feels like we're in the midst of a storm. We need to remain confident in God and his word. But also, we need to speak words that will bring confidence to others. Begin, because that storm may not only affect us, but it may affect our whole family. And we've got to speak words of confidence that bring confidence. In the, in, the, in the book of Acts, chapter 27, there's a great story here about the Apostle Paul. As Paul's getting ready to, 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 to be sent out to Italy with other prisoners, what happens is it, 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 it says that it was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was in the late fall. What happened was the season was about to change to winter, and it was really not a good time to set sail in that season. But Paul spoke to the, the officers of the ship. He says, I believe that there's trouble ahead if we go. We're going to be shipwrecked. We're going to lose cargo. There's going to be danger to our lives as well. But the officers in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner of the, uh, than Paul. You know, they basically said, we have a better view of this. We have a better perspective of this. Because the crew wanted to go to, to a place called Phoenix because they said it would be better there during winter. So they sent sail, and it says that the weather just changed immediately. It was a, a wind. It was like a typhoon that just began to toss the boat around. It was a gale, fish, uh, gale force winds that uh, continued to battle the ship. It says that the crew began panicking and they were throwing off a, a cargo. They were sh throwing off the, the gear overboard. And all this was taking place, and it says in Acts 27 verse 21, that fa Paul finally, I'm sorry, finally Paul called the crew together. He gets all the crew together. They said there were 200, I think 276 of them in the ship. He says, finally Paul called the crew together. He says, man, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. And this is where he begins to speak courage to them. He says, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of God whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's, mo what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So he tells them again, take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as he said. Paul stood up with confidence in the midst of a storm, the boat's being tossed to and fro, and, he's, and, and everybody's panicking around him. Because, but God, I mean, Paul stood with confidence because he had the right perspective of who God was and what God had told him. He says, I believe. I believe in God, and I believe everything he said. Just take courage. How many believe God today in this place? Amen. We believe God in his word, and we can speak these words to those around us. And remind them that what God says in his word, that, you know, that, that it's true and it will bring confidence to them. 
When people go through a storm, you can tell them, look, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. When people are panicking around us, we can speak words of life, words of confidence, and get them to be encouraged and say, you know what, we can get through this. It says the sailors were afraid and tried to abandon ship. They're panicking. They figured, well, this is jump ship. But Paul said to them again, Paul keeps speaking life to them. Says, Paul speaks to them again, said to them, commanding officers, you will die unless you stay aboard the boat. In the storms of life, the devil lies to us. Where is your God? Give up. It's not worth it. Abandon ship. You are better off in Egypt. See, Paul was there to give the confidence to ride this storm out. Don't, don't, don't jump, jump ship. Just remember what God had told me. Just remember that God says we will not perish in this boat. God is with us. Don't give up. Stay the course. And we need to speak to our brothers and sisters the same way. When they're going through the storm, you know, we got to encourage them. Don't jump ship. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't turn away from God. God's got a better plan. God's going to see you through this. He is in the midst of the storm with you. He is in the valley with you. He is there for you. Just don't jump ship. Don't abandon ship. Paul continues, as the story continues, Acts 27:33. as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried that you haven't touched food in two weeks. He said it was two weeks because they were so worried about what was going on that they didn't eat in two weeks. In the season of change and the storm, we can lose the right perspective of who God is and what he's doing. What happens is worry and anxiety can set in. We start worrying about our finances, you know, physical condition, our marriage, our children. What happens is we find ourselves unable to eat. We can't sleep. We're tossing and turning all night. We're unable to focus because it's weighing heavy to us, uh, heavy on us. Pastor Reggie used to always tell me this, always. I, I think it's maybe his favorite scripture. He'd always say, Bobby, let me say, Bobby, draw close to God, and he'll draw close to you. He'd always tell me that. Bobby, draw close to God, and he'll draw close to you. Philippians, Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It says, tell God. It's telling us, tell God, draw close to God, talk to God, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God, what you need, tell him what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Don't forget, tell him for, and thank him for everything he has done. Then you will experience peace. You'll experience peace when you begin to converse with God, when you begin to talk to God, tell him what you need, and you begin to thank him for what he's done, you'll have peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. In early 2020, my wife got really sick. We didn't know. It wasn't called COVID yet. It was barely starting to hear about it. So she had gotten really sick. She was in the hospital for some time. And even when she got out, she was just not doing good, really not doing good. And it was a personal storm that I was going through because she's the love of my life. You know, I'm going to start crying. Man, and I started stressing. I was stressing over it. I was worried about her. Somebody sent me a text, and this is where COVID was barely starting to be talked about, and it was starting to 
they weren't even testing it. But now that we know all the symptoms and everything she had, and even she still has some after effects today. And even somebody sent me a text, oh, you know, this is how you avoid it. But if you get it, and this is what it said in the text, you're dead already. Like, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I started, because like, we, we didn't know what was going on. And I started worrying. I started, you know, just stressing over it. I found myself in that same place where I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was tossing and turning at night, just worried about her. Man, and I was praying and praying and praying. And then this song just came to me. And I would just sing. I would lay in bed, and I couldn't sleep. I was just laying there, you know, just thinking and worrying over and praying over. And I would just, in my mind, I would just sing this song over and over, and I would think on it constantly, and it would bring me peace. It's a song that it's called It Is So. We sing it here. And it just this one chorus, I would just over and over in my mind. I'm not going to sing for you, but you're know, like, oh, come on, you can do it. Have faith. Where's your faith? But I'll say it for you. I don't have to have it up. It says, by his stripes, I am healed. With one touch, I am made whole. You have spoken, and I know it is so. In the storm, you are peace, and your love let me go back to that. In the storm, you are peace, and your love won't let me go. You have spoken, and I know it is so. In the storms of life, he is peace, because he has spoken it to us in his word, and it is so. Paul tells him, Paul tells him, please eat now for your own good, for not a hair in your head will perish. Then he took some of the bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of them that were on board. Again, Paul stood up with confidence in a changing season, and he brought encouragement and confidence to the whole ship, and it says that everyone escaped to safety. When others around us start to worry and panic, we need to stand with confidence, speak the truth of God's word to them, that will also bring confidence to their lives. Last thing I want to, uh, my last point, I'll go through this quickly. And the platform, I can start making your way up, is to hold on. I don't know if you guys got that picture of the fire hydrant hose. I don't know, I sent it late, so I don't know if you got that. Yes, okay, so that's a fire hydrant hose right there. And on the ends, on the older ones, they'd use brass fittings. They'd use a brass end. And when ever, you know, the firefighters, whatever, one of the things they always try to avoid is letting a hose get away. And it starts flopping around because it becomes very dangerous. I have a cam, which is kind of similar to the end of a iron hose. These things are heavy. They usually have the brass ones, but these are heavy. And what happens when a hose gets away and starts flying around, it can hit somebody in the head and pretty much kill them. And so that's why they're so careful with their fire hoses that they make sure that sometimes you'll see two guys holding out of that hose because they don't want that thing to get away because if it gets away, you'll see everybody just take off running. So when, as I shared, I worked for, for the water district and uh, I worked five years in another district and, and uh, I worked with George Atalano. Uh, we worked together for five years. And what we do is when we have a main break, we have mud everywhere. There'd be mud everywhere. And what we do, we can't do this now. They changed the, the laws of state. You're not allowed to wash anything down in the storm drain. But what we do is we get a fire hose and we just wash it down. We just wash down the mud into the gutter, into the, into, into the storm drain, the sewer. 
But one time we had uh, a main break, it was pretty bad, but it was on a high pressure line. What that is, is usually water pressure is anywhere from, you know, 50, 40, 50, 60 pounds of pressure, which is pretty manageable. We were on a high pressure line where the, the water pressure was over 100, 110 pounds of pressure. So I'm thinking, okay, George, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to get the can, I'm going to get the fire hose and I'm going to just hold it down. Okay, I'm just put all my weight on, I'm going to hold it down. What I want you to do is turn on the water and I'll start, you know, washing it down. When you turn on a fire hydrant, you open it slow and you close it slow. Because what you do is if you, if you close that fire hydrant fast, you have all this water flowing. It'd be like if you're driving on the freeway at 80 miles an hour and you just slam on your brakes. You're just going to have a big old impact behind you. It's the same thing with the water main. If you shut that water off too quick, all that pressure just builds up and it just blows out the water main. So you have to shut the fire hydrant closed. Slow, I mean, close it slow. So I'm telling, okay, George, turn it on. I grab it, I'm holding it. Starts to turn it on. Okay, good, good, good. You know, water's flowing, it's coming out pretty good. All of a sudden, the hose starts unkinking. And all of a sudden, it starts dragging me side to side on the asphalt. And I'm screaming, George, turn it off, turn it off. And he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Turn it on slow, and I'm literally being dragged side by side. Finally get the water off. I'm soaking wet. I look up, and there's a guy in his truck, and he's just laughing at me. I'm like, man, I get up. My pants are ripped. My knees are full of blood, full of blood. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, you know. And that's all I kept thinking is don't let go. Don't let go. Because if I, can let, if I let go of this, it could become tragic where that thing would just fly around. And I'm right there on my knees. That thing could have probably just popped up, cracked me in the head, and that could have been the enemy. And all I kept remembering, hold, just hold on, just hold on. When we go through a season of change, and some good, some bad, we need to hold on to God. We can't let go. Well, you're there and you're just believing God and you're on your knees and you're praying and praying and praying to you. It feels like your knees are bleeding and you're just believing God and trusting God and you look up and maybe the enemy's laughing at you. You say, no, I'm gonna hold on to the promises of God. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep going because my perspective of who God is is not gonna change. When seasons change, God doesn't. We can hold on to his word and his promises. Hebrews, it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for the for the one for he who promised is faithful isaiah says don't be afraid i am with you don't be discouraged i am your god i will strengthen you i will help you i will hold you up in my victorious right hand psalm says for your kingdom is in an everlasting kingdom you rule throughout all generations the lord will always keep his promise he is gracious for to all for all he does See, during a season of change, what is our perspective? What is our view of God? When a season of blessing turns into a storm or when a storm turns into a blessing, what is our perspective? What is our view of God? How, you know, do we forget what he's done for us? Or we can continue to, to just remember what he's going to do? Again, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. we got to remember that. So when that season changes and we say, you know what, God's true to his word, it never changes. God is going to get me through this. God is with me. God is going to help me. And we can encourage others. We can be that voice of confidence and never forget what God has done. Tonight, 
Let's have the right perspective of who God is. Let's bow our heads tonight.